The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? Always a pleasure to have you joining us on the Paul Leslie Hour. Some of you, no doubt, are familiar with The Bird Show, a very popular radio program based in Atlanta. The host of The Bird Show, that's Bert, he once called the interview that you're about to listen to Solid Gold. This is an interview I did back in 2011 with Davi Crimmins. At that time, her name was Davi Masi. Actually, Davina Masarchek. Do you know how to spell Masarchek? I do. M-A-S-I-A-R-C-Z-K. You want me to do that a little faster? M-A-S-I-A-R-C-Z-K. M-A-S-I-A-R-C-Z-K. Backwards, how would you spell that? K-Z-C-R-A-I-S-A-M. I'm not going to do that again, ever. Okay, folks. No, I have not been drinking. No, there were no substances used for the production of this special. So, who is Davi Crimmins? Then, Davina Masarchek. Well, she likes to call herself a radio muppet on Twitter. I had the opportunity to record this interview in May of 2011 on the street in Atlanta, Georgia. She married the man she talks about in this conversation, and that is why her name is Davi Crimmins. She is married to an extremely talented musician, Blair Crimmins. I had the opportunity to see him and his band in concert. I will never, ever forget it. One of the most unique concerts I've ever seen. On The Bird Show, she is a co-host and assistant producer. You will hear her on the air. She also does a lot behind the scenes. And I mean, not just at the radio studio, but also she's done stand-up comedy. She's done dancing. She's done burlesque. Very interesting person. And I hope you enjoy this interview with her. I'm going to take you back in time to 2011. Let me know what you think about the interview with Davi Crimmins here on the Paul Leslie Hour. We are on the street corner. We're outside, and this is Atlanta, Georgia. This is roundabout the corner of Spring Street Northwest and West Peachtree Street. And who am I speaking with? Davi Masi. Davi Masi. Mm-hmm. Is that your real name? No. It's not. What would be your real Davina name? Davina Masarchek. Masarchek. Yeah. Do most people get it on the first try? No. That's why I shortened it. <laughs> it's like people can handle about four letters at a time is what I've noticed. So Davi Masi instead of Davina Masarchek. So for the purposes of this conversation, we'll just say Davi. Yeah. Okay. Well, Davi, thanks so much for making the time to do this. Thank you. So who is... Davi Masi. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I I have a lot of goals that I, I think I set on a weekly basis. That way I feel more accomplished every Sunday. But I've always I've always wanted to do comedy. I've grown up like in the theater and 
I just, I've been obsessed with like the 20s to 40s era and speakeasies and stand-up comedians and MCs of these shows and cabaret and stuff like that. So I was like, I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy, but I don't have balls. So I was like, I can, I can MC my own shows and get a bunch of dancing girls and do a bunch of funny stuff and not have to wear any pants. And that's just cool. So I think that's how this all came together. People are entertained by women. They don't think they are, but they are. Well, what makes you say that? Why do you think people don't think that they're entertained by women? I mean, it's a man's world. It's a, it's 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 difficult for females to do stand-up comedy. I've noticed this going to a lot of shows. You go to shows and you see a male comedian after the next come up, and you're laughing, you're laughing, and then they're like, "Okay, up next is Ashley," and everybody gets really, really like demanding. They're like, "This better be good," you know. You can just see it in their face. And girls have to be like ridiculous funny to get the smallest laugh. I don't know what it is. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I've noticed it, and then even like you know, Comedy Central presents. You can watch anything on there. There's like, there females are starting to get more into the light, so I, I'm appreciating that a lot more. People don't respect them as much, I think, as comedians, but we can be funny. The only person I ever heard bring up whether uh, this whole thing you're talking about was Belushi, but he's gone. He actually talked about that. Yeah, he said girls are funny. <laughs> yeah, he did. You, you knew that? Yeah. Yeah, I still like him, but yeah, he was like, girls just aren't funny. But he was also working alongside Gilda Radner and all of them and Saturday Night Live, and that's not really fair for him to say that. Right, I have to agree. Because she was just successful, you know, like, it's not she really was, fair. She was funny. She was Definitely. great. I love her. So, every story has a beginning. Mm-hmm. Where does yours begin? Probably last August, I guess. I mean, I've always wanted to do this kind of stuff, but really, like, well... It started with the Pelvis Bresleys, so I guess even earlier than that, I got in the band with them. That's how I got to know, got to really know Sean and Aaron and everybody, and they really, like, I don't think I'd have anything without them and then Blair Crimmins and the Hookers. Like, they, I met so many awesome people through them, like yourself and all the people that we've worked with, Eric Newcomer, all of them, and then Blair Crimmins got a hold of me through Sean. And was like, I want to do a burlesque show. And I've been working with Dames of Flame. I also have King Size and Dames of Flame to think. So it's been going on a while, but everything got really intense in the last year. And where I get to be like in creative charge of things. So I think my story started, yeah, 2010. Let's rewind even further. Okay. The very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. Before the Vena and the Harlots, before the Pelvis Bresleys, before anything. Yeah. The very beginning. I'm talking... Where did I come from? DM day one. Okay. <laughs> I was born in Pensacola, Florida, to my Polish parents. I'm the fifth kid of five kids from the same mom, so I'm the baby, but I don't get babies, which is nice. I'm not a little brat. I can handle myself. We moved to West Virginia when I was four. That place sucks. <laughs> I had to get out of there ASAP. Um, when I was 16, I moved in with my sister in Georgia because I really wanted to do theatrical stuff, and there are no opportunities in West Virginia. All you do is get drunk and throw stuff off of the bridge, and there's, you know, a thousand people in the whole town. It was just very boring. And this would be Calhoun County? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're growing up. Mm-hmm. What kind of music was playing around the house? 
Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, Jerry Lee Lewis, the Shangri-Las, a whole a lot of different stuff, but yeah, mostly, mostly 50s, 60s kind of music. I mean, we'd take uh, eight-hour road trips to Michigan to visit family, and it was just straight-up Frankie Valley all the time, and I'm still obsessed with them to this day. You'd think it would annoy me, but I loved it. My mother, her number one guy is Frankie Valley. Really? Yeah, and uh, same thing with her, her sister. Which, I love the doo-wop guys, man. <laughs> I, I love Frankie. Sometimes when I first wake up in the morning, I hear Frankie Valley singing. Not literally, but like I do. in your head? In my head. Just... Like Sherry. Yeah. Well, first thing. It just pop, it's so happy. Yeah. You want to you want to hear that when you first wake up. I think so. Yeah. So tell us about your parents. They grew up in the 50s, so they're obsessed with that music, but they're both apparently innocent. My dad went to Vietnam when he was 18 and uh, my mom was pregnant when he shipped off with uh, my oldest brother Christopher, and then he came back and they started a family. Um, they lived in Michigan, they moved to Florida. My dad he tried to do radio for a little bit, but wasn't really into it, and he thought there would be more money in the adult entertainment industry, so he opened a chain of car washes, <laughs> topless car washes in Florida, and then when we moved to West Virginia, he had a chain of uh, strip clubs called Lady Godiva that were very successful, believe it or not. So I feel like that I, I wasn't in those places when they were open, but I was in them when they were closed, so I did see strange outfits that I was like, what's with all these sequins, and did my math homework in, in the back of a strip club maybe once or twice. Cool. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. So now I'm like doing cabaret stuff. My mom's like, what exactly are you doing? I'm worried. I'm like, no, it's not like that. Mm -hmm. The first time that you started thinking that you were going to take an entertainment direction, how did that come about? Like, you mentioned that in 2010 you started the Pelvis Presleys, right? Yeah. And then, well, actually, before that, you had stuff going on. I've been doing, I've been selling merchandise and performing with the Dames of Flame since 2008. For somebody that doesn't know what Dames of Flame is. Dames of Flame is... One of the top burlesque troops in Atlanta, like, uh, they do, like, Vegas showgirl outfits, and then every Valentine's Day they have, like, a complete Dames of Flame show. They work with Mike, Big Mike, from King Size. He's, like, a trained opera singer. They do Elvis shows in their showgirl outfits. They do burlesque. Uh, the girls don't do any of the singing in Dames of Flame, though. That It's just, uh, you know, it's all about Mike, pretty much. Mm -hmm. in their personal shows, and then the girls are, are eye candy for the most part. I got to do the comedy acts, though, like the comedy dancing and the being funny part, and I really liked that, and I kind of was like, why isn't there more of this with, you know, just showing off what girls can do? Like, why aren't, why aren't the girls singing more? Why aren't the girls talking more because we really can't we can deliver and we can be just as funny as Big Mike he's got a whole persona though but yeah that started in like 2008 and that was a whole different form of entertainment for me I'd always been doing theater and plays and saying what somebody else was writing mm -hmm. I did dinner theater at a it used to be called Grandma Luke's in Little Five it's called the Porter now did dinner theater there I did a lot of plays in Lawrenceville 
community theater. And then I was just like, I'm making other pe- people laugh with other people's scripts, and I, I could be doing this myself. Mm-hmm. So I got a little cocky. So what is it about that being on stage that you like? I've always loved making people laugh. Like since I was little, I was just like not a ham, but I just really did enjoy making people laugh. And that like throughout you know elementary, middle, high school, I was like class wit and all this ridiculous stuff that my parents were like we don't really like that and I'm like but I do you know like I'm proud of it because that's awesome that means I'm doing it and then I was like I have to be able I want to get paid for being awesome and that's that's a it's a broad statement but I think everybody wants to get paid for being awesome but it just turned into me wanting wanting to make people laugh so when I'm on stage and I'm saying things that I wrote you know and I've been practicing for two months to myself saying this is stupid nobody's gonna laugh at this and then people are laughing I'm like awesome okay it's just the best feeling in the world I love it I don't have to sing or dance or do anything I just talk and then I can have the girls show off what they have it's really cool to be able to bring that to everybody Going kind of forward from the Dames of Flame, the Pelvis Bresleys, which you were in for a while during the inception. Yeah. Okay. How did that come about? How did you get involved with them, and how did you meet Sean? I'd been interning at 99X and Rock 100 and Q100 for two years, and I met Sean because she worked there. <laughs> she, he's got an issue. She was uh, DJing there, and so was Aaron Watson. That's the singer, and then Sean's the guitar player. They uh, they were working there, so I met them while I was interning, and I partied with them a little bit. And then, like for whatever reason, Sean posted on Facebook she wanted to start a band, and I was about to move into the city, and I was like, that sounds hilarious. I love Elvis. You know, I grew up on Elvis, so I think. Some of the girls were in it just because it sounded fun, but they didn't really care for Elvis. But from the beginning, I was like, I love Elvis. So Sean's like, you're in. She's like, I don't know what you can play, but I'll give you a jug or something or a washboard or something. And then the joke turned into me actually playing the jug and the washboard. I'm like, I do have a keyboard and ukulele and all kinds of other stuff. She's like, we already got that covered. (laughs) There's some random objects. Okay, so your current project, Davina and the Harlots. Yeah. How did you start to get out the paper and pen and start saying, okay, this is the project? Tell me about the formation. Sean gave me this guy's email, Bert Crimmins. He has a band that's like 1920s ragtime, New Orleans jazz kind of band. And he was looking, instead of doing opening bands, he wanted to do opening acts for his residency at Star Bar last year. And she was like, um... Well, one of the girls in my band, in the Bresleys, works with Dames of Flame, so I can hook you up with, like, a burlesque act. And I got his information, and I was just going to forward it to Dames of Flame. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. So I called Emily, who was in the Bresleys, and, you know, she's a great singer, but she's just not confident enough in herself, and I, for whatever reason. So I was like, do you want to help me with this? And she's like, yes. Because she's, she's just on board to do that, but then you got to make her man up at the last minute. But she was like, I've always done theater stuff. I would love to help you. I was like, okay, so we got two. And then the costumer for the Dames of Flame, Morgan Kessner, is Lu- Lucy Lipstick. She was just in the back 
doing the costumes, pinning the dames in their costumes, and she's an incredible swing dancer, and so much personality on on stage, but she was never on stage, you know, like, I could just tell that she had that within her, and I just was like, it's not fair that you're back here pinning these girls, you should be up on stage, like, you're so vibrant, so... I was like, do you want to do this? And she's like, absolutely. And then same thing with Sarah. I was like, you don't, you're not, you're such a funny person, but you're only typecasted as this sexy person. So do you want to do this? And it, the four of us got together and we made this show happen in a month. Like I had, I had almost no material. Like I had stuff that I thought would be funny, but I didn't, I didn't know how to go about it. Like there's a band I think in Minnesota called Davina and the Vagabonds that I love. And that's where we get a lot of our music. They don't have karaoke tracks though. So I had to actually get in GarageBand and take the vocals out of the one song that we do, Beasting, when you saw the flower that she's upset about her boyfriend taking advantage of her. And the boyfriend is a like a stupid bumblebee, and it's just humping her the whole time. Right, and everybody's right. like, "Am I really seeing a bumblebee hump a flower?" Yes, you are, and it's funny. So just laugh. But it was just the four of us made something amazing happen, and it like made a dream come true. And it was just supposed to be a one-time thing, and I was supposed to be like, "All right, bucket list, that's checked off." But then people are like, "Give me a card. Where are you guys next?" That was so funny. So I got really proud of it. So I really want to do more with it. But it just went from four girls, and then the next day we ended the show. It was like one in the morning. Starbar paid me. I went home. I got a message at four in the morning from this girl. Jessica was like, please let me audition for you guys. Like she had just left the show and was still awake and freaking out about it. And she was like, I would love to audition for your troupe. And I was like, audition for my troupe. What? I was you like, because it's over. Big time. Yeah, and then uh, a couple days later, uh, another girl was like, let me audition. And another girl was like, here's my resume. And I was like, what is going on? So it, it just it blew up, and I didn't even mean for it to. But I think those are the most beautiful things when you're like, where did that come from? So now you're fully invested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I was at that first show mm-hmm. at Star Bar. I saw you. <laughs> you did? Okay. Well. You did, like, these, you were the opening act for Blair Crimmins and the Hookers. Mm-hmm. Great, great act. They were just fantastic. They went well together, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about working with him. What was that like? What did you think when you met him? I just, I, like, immediately, I have so much respect for the guy. Like, I, uh, I'd been hearing about him from the Bresleys for, like, months, and I was like, all right. And then he emailed me to work together, and I was like, okay. So I went to his show for the first time. And then we were supposed to have a lunch date the following Monday to talk about things with the girls that I had got together. So I bought a CD. It was like, I don't really know much about this guy, but, you know, he's probably going to be late because he's a musician and he's a boy. So I was like, I'll see you at noon. And he's like, yeah, okay. And he's all drunk. And, uh, and then I went home and I listened to the CD and I was like, oh my God. And I listened to it again and again and again. And I was like, I can't believe this is in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe it's right next door to us. And we're, and everyone's like taking advantage. Like this, this is really something. Those, those seven guys are incredible and they're all gentlemen and they're just fantastic like all around people and I just have so much respect for them and he's he's such a nice person and genuine and that's what I'm finding out is like I'm so I've been going to the the punk shows the rock shows and all these guys are just so like arrogant and they're like oh you just you know you're just a girl like another groupie or something like that like they just treat everybody they're just they're out for fame and fortune they're not doing it for the love 
of the music, and all those guys really do love the music, and working with them was such a pleasure, and I'll do it any chance I get, because it just makes sense. I was like, we did our own couple acts, and then I we choreographed some stuff with their music. Like, I got their CD out, and I choreographed some stuff, Sarah choreographed some stuff, and we performed with them. The girls did, like, burlesque stuff to their songs, and then all of a sudden, all these burlesque girls are like, we want to work with Blair. You got so lucky. And I'm like, I really did. <laughs> and that was my first show. So it's not fair, but I got very lucky with them. If you can kind of see into the future, where do you think that all this is going? Uh, the girls have talked about touring. I don't know. Like, my ideal situation is I think that it brings a lot to the music that they have to have, like, flappers dancing with them and to have, you know, costume girls running around and to have, like, these these breaks in between of, like, something funny, to have, like, this whole, like, cabaret show. Like, I've always wondered, like, why don't we have something like that in Atlanta, like, a constant place that's open on the weekends, people buy tickets. I hate that Atlanta's attraction is the Claremont Lounge. It's funny yeah. in itself, but it, I, I kind of want to bring more class to the city because it sucks that people have family come in town and they're like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I make them go, oh, that's why you live here. It's such a cool place. Like, what do I do? Don't take them to see Blondie. Take them to see Blair Kermans and the Hookers because they're going to be floored with that. And even better if the Harlots are there with them dancing with their music because it just brings a lot to it. It makes people really happy. You can't watch people swing dance and you can't swing dance without smiling. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever seen a sad swing dancer? That's a good point. No. no. Because it's such a fun thing to do. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, we don't need Zoloft. We just need more, <laughs> like, more fun. Your idea is to possibly have some kind of, like, resident thing here. That would be cool. That would be very ideal. Or, you know, if if the band were to be picked up, if I could, like, get some girls to, like, dance with them regularly and they were to tour around the United States. But, like, my dream would be, yeah, a, a constant, like, a venue, a residency, and for people to come from out of state and be like, we gotta go see this because it's famous because we've heard about it. We Google Atlanta and this is what pops up, that we need to go see this and it's so funny and it's so great. That would be my ideal situation is people get dressed up and go out. No sweatpants or pajamas. People get dressed up like gloves, pearls, all that and they get to go and pretend that they're in Prohibition era and like they're not supposed to be drinking and they're doing something dangerous kind of thing. Like it's really fun. So you want them to get into the entire fantasy of the experience? Yeah. I think people have fun with it. I mean lately everybody's birthday party, everybody anything party is like a theme. Mm-hmm. Like people don't people like dressing up and they like being out of character a little bit. They might be like, I don't do any acting, I'm not into that, no. But then they'll go to a party and they'll do an accent and they'll just be drunk and have fun and be silly. And we just need more of that. It's like people to lose themselves and not be so serious all the time. Aside from your project, what do you see in your future? I'm hoping to get a full-time job with the radio station that I'm working for now. I'm just doing board operations on the weekends, but I would I would love to be doing a morning show in Atlanta or just DJing in Atlanta, but I can still do my stuff on the side. I mean, I'm keeping my head on the ground. I'm not I'm not gonna think like this harlot thing is gonna 
make me all this money. Like, I, I just want the girls to show, like, what they have, and I just want to prove that, hey, we're here, we can be funny, look at all these women that just want, they, it's about being confident and not being so serious that you can't make an ugly face once in a while. I really wish you would have come to the February 4th show, I know you're busy, but it was really funny, and I had a bunch of new girls, and they're, they're just so gorgeous, and then you can get them to act so silly sometimes, and people think it's funny. They're like, oh, wow. But my ideal thing would be, yeah, to work for the radio, have, like, a more real job, I guess, and then still be able to do this stuff on the side. Like, maybe a couple times a month thing, if I were to get that venue, if I could afford that one day, that would be my ideal situation. So you see yourself staying here in Atlanta? Yeah, I wish the pollen count would calm the hell down, but I do want to stay here. It's just so everybody's, like, sick. <laughs> like, springtime, nobody looks cute. Everybody's nose is running, and it's just not a good time. But I love Atlanta, and I was just thinking about that the other day, because, like, since I've been here, I'm like, where am I going to go next? And then just in the last couple months, I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere. I finally get it. I love it. I moved into Cabbage Town. It's, the, like, the most chill place, and I can walk everywhere. Everybody's riding bikes now. It's it's very cool place to live. I love it. What is the best thing about being Dobby? <laughs> you ask the tough questions. There's so many things. Well, I don't I don't know. I think the best thing about being Dobby mm -hmm. is just how much I enjoy people and talking with people and I just like I I constantly I want everyone to know each other, you know, if I if I meet somebody I'm and I'm with my friend Emily, I'm like, "Hey, this is Emily. She's in the Harlots. She's an awesome singer. You guys talk." You know, like I want I want everybody to feel good about themselves all the time because it makes me feel good about myself and I think that's what the best thing about me is, is I'm like, if you're happy, I'm happy. And that, that is like legitimate. Like, I enjoy it a lot. If somebody was maybe overhearing you talk about the harlots, somebody might think you were talking about your children. Really? Because you always say like things like, uh, you know, I, I want my girls to be happy. Oh, it, yeah. It sounds like kind of like a mother talking about her daughters. I guess it does. It's funny. <laughs> I never thought about it like that. They are kind of like my kids. <laughs> I'm like, stop. Stop running around listen to me. Yeah, they are. What is your all-time favorite meal? Meal? Meal. Oh, jeez. Like, a couple months ago, I would have said sushi, but lately, Blair's a really good cook for the record, and he's my boyfriend, so he's been cooking me all kinds of stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. Okay, now this is my favorite. Now this is my favorite. He's awesome. All-time favorite meal would either have to be, like, big, like, eight-ounce steak, medium rare, with, like, mashed potatoes and, like, corn on the cob, or, like, some sashimi, you know, like, either one. I could do sushi, or I could do a big, big meat and potatoes kind of meal. They're both amazing. Aside from cooking, what is it you like most about Valera? He's hysterical. Like, he doesn't give himself enough credit, but he really is a really funny guy. He's very talented, that everybody knows, but he's, he's a complete gentleman. If anything, like, if for a second we're going to have an argument, we can, one of us will make the other one laugh, and then it's like, what are you, are you kidding? We're not mad about that. Like, like we, our, our sense of humor and everything, it, it's very, it clicks 
and he he's just an awesome, awesome person. Like his parents did a wonderful job raising him. He's a southern gentleman, which I never thought I would date somebody like that. It, like I've I've dated Mohawks and guys in hardcore bands, and then I was just like, you guys, you're a bunch of children. Mm-hmm. I can't handle it. And then I was like, he he's a man. He really is. Do you think there's a shortage of gentlemen today? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Uh, girls are in the workplace more, and girls are becoming more powerful, and they're allowed to do more things. So I think guys are just kind of slacking a little bit. They're like, I don't, I don't have to open the door for you anymore. You make more money than me, kind of thing. Like, why would I do that? Like, there's a, a lot of chivalry goes out the window. I mean, I dated a guy that lost his car and didn't bother getting a new one for like three or four years, and you lose a whole lot of chivalry in a relationship when the girl's driving everywhere and the guy's not opening the door for her anymore. You know what I mean? So, I'm just like, guys just, they just get lazy and then the girls are still, we still have like this motherly thing about us that wants to fix the bird with the broken wings so we stay with people for a really long time until one day we're like, wait, hold the phone. I am not happy. This kind of sucks. They're totally taking advantage of me. But not all guys are like that by any means. It's just, uh, I don't know, Maybe it's due to parenting. Maybe it's due to that damn rap music. I don't know. (laughs) I have a final question for you. Okay. To anybody who's listening, wherever, whenever they hear this, what do you want to say to the listener? Oh, jeez. You did this last time. You're like, what are your final words? And I said banana hammock. (laughs) Was it banana hammock? I think it was. No. We did it. I did an Elvis quote. I was going with the flow. No, I did, you, an Elvis, I did my favorite even, Elvis quote. No, no, you didn't. I remember what you said. What? You said, my name. <laughs> you said, uh, okay, give me a second. What you say? It was an Elvis. It was. No, no, you said, it was, um, I said, I never looked for trouble, but I never ran, and I don't take no orders from no kind of man. Yes, that's, that's what, what it you was. said. That's an Elvis quote. Uh, I failed there. <laughs> It's a really good Elvis quote, though. It is a good it's quote. It's one of my favorites. So I was like, I'm going to live by that. I'm not a feminist. I know that maybe this whole interview probably makes me sound like an evil, evil girl. No. No, I'm saying we can work alongside you guys and be uh-huh. just awesome. With our powers combined, It may, it, we, it'll be awesome. You put on a great show. I've done it. I promise. But yeah, that, that'll probably be my final words today, too. So the whole motivation behind behind Davina and the Harlots is the unification of the genders. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we're already being treated as equals, but I just want people to really be like, you know, these girls are funny. You need to go see them and, and tell their friends and tell their friends. It's a little more difficult. We're not selling CDs. You can't, can't be like, listen to this. They're amazing. Potentially one day, like I said earlier, Blair and I are working on originals, and we're planning on doing something this summer where it might not be with the hookers. I might just book something with the hot toddies or something like that. They're a fire-breathing burlesque troupe. But he's going to be like a guest singer and come up and play ukulele with me or something, and we're going to do songs, and the girls will still dance. It, it is it is about just guys being like, people not being so hard on women. Like, when a woman walks up on the stage, don't be like, it's better be good, you know? Like, like just, just, just laugh. You know it's funny. Don't sit there, frowny face. I think I was teasing you at that September show. I can't remember. I think it was you because you're so much taller than everybody else, and it's like all these heads. And then yours was up top. Okay. And uh, I can't remember what I said. Oh, I was like, 
I was like, stop looking so bored. I promise there's like four more girls backstage and all their boobies are bigger than mine. So I don't think that was get me. that look off your face. I think I think I would have remembered you saying that. I was pointing in your direction. Oh, you? I thought <laughs> you said something to me like you asked me a question. You said something like something something, sir, and I answered it. You did? Yeah, you asked I, me. A I question. swear I was like, sir, get that disappointed look off your face. I promise there's three more girls with bigger tatas than mine backstage. And everybody was like, Oh it was a long time ago. It's been a while. But I remember you being there and then when I came out after the show, Shannon from Dames of Flame, which I'd been working with them forever and I'd never like opened my mouth on stage, I'd only been dancing and like doing goofy stuff. And she was like, That was really funny. I didn't know Morgan could do that. I didn't know Sarah could do that. I didn't know you could do that. She's like, why have I had you guys as my curtain girls for the last three years? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> why have you? You know? And then, I, like, a lot of people were talking to me and complimenting me about it. And I remember being like, where'd Paul go? And Sean's like, I don't know, but I'm drunk. I got to go home kind of thing. You had to you had to peace out early. I mean, like, right after the show, you couldn't stay for the oh, whole yeah, Blair yeah. show. Because it was late. Like, we ended it out at, like, 1.30. They just kept playing music, and we kept dancing around. We're just having a good time. It's been a lovely conversation on this May day. Yep, so uh, hot. Thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. This was fun. For the conversation. <laughs> and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Take care. It's very exciting. You too. Bop, bop, ba doodly, zing, bang, booyah, ducky, jop, a doon, a cock, a boodly, ka, sabi, dee, bonk, ka, chi, la, ba, ka, do, zilly, bonk, a tonal, a ka, bonk, goodbye.